Hey, this is Donovan, and this is the Solid Soul Podcast. I'm here with Drew and Trevor. How's it going, guys? Going pretty well. Looking forward to some ACL action here. All right, so today we're going to talk about ACL, but first we're going to go through people who have given a review to the show. We're doing this every show. If you would like a shout-out on the podcast, just give us a review. You can just say one word. Give us five stars. It really helps us grow the podcast and the website. Um, so today we're giving a shout out to Timothy Riggins, who's the sponsor of this show. Thank you very much, Timothy. You're a real MVP, Tim. Alrighty, and furthermore, everyone should go to thesolidsoul.com. It's our website. Um, we're doing a lot of great work there, putting in a lot of time. So anything y'all do, any articles you read, any feedback we get, all of that's helpful to us. Let's get to it. All right, so let's start with some first takes upon, you know, getting up that morning early and seeing the lineup. I know that, personally, I set an alarm, woke up in the morning. It was, what, 6 a.m. in the morning, right, that day? I wake up, I look at my phone, and I say, everything is good in the world. And then I had the best sleep that I've had in a really long time. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. We got Radiohead, Kendrick, and LCD Sound System. And Mumford and Sons also. Well, and that's what that's was my first takeaway when I first saw it. I thought because uh, there have been a lot of rumors that Radiohead was a possibility and Kendrick was a possibility, but almost none of those rumors included both of them both playing. So the moment I saw that, that is definitely the thing that was the most exciting to me and was the most obvious takeaway. Well, and Mumford and Sons too. I, it felt like if you were gonna get a headliner like Mumford and Sons at the concert that would really detract from some of the other big headliners that were going to be there. But I just don't feel like that's what happened because we got two really big guys and LCD Sound System because, of course, we got LCD Sound System. He's playing at every festival, so what did we expect? Where do you guys feel like the four headliners, ultimately, of ACL fit in with some of the bigger music festivals this year? I feel like it's no governor's ball, but other than that, it's one of the best headlining groups that we have this year. I mean, I... I uh, I was a huge fan of the Governor's Ball headliners, but I feel like we probably have the best headliners behind that one. Also, to be fair, Governor's Ball was no Governor's Ball because the last and best day got rained out. <laughs> yeah, and it led to some pop-up shows, actually, in the yeah. area. Uh, Connie did a significant one. The Killers also did a pretty big show in the New York area that evening. Um, and that, that is the Governor's Ball. It was the uh, Strokes. It was Kanye. Um, the Killers played... So that was a, definitely a pretty good one. But compared to like Coachella, which has LCD Sound System, which is an overlap, but also has Guns N' Roses and Calvin Harris as the other two headliners, I feel like ACL stands up really well to that. I, I feel like if Calvin Harris is one of your top three guys, there's at least a little bit to be desired there. Alrighty, so after that, it feels like the most significant thing is how the lineup is actually going to shake out. It's unusual to have four significant headliners the way ACL does this year. Um, and the real question, I think, is who LCD Sound System is ultimately up against? Because I think we can be pretty confident that Radiohead and Kendrick are going to be yeah. the main headliner on their day. No way that they're not primary headliners. Um, there's no way that they would even agree to be at a festival like this if they weren't going to be. Exactly. Now, that LCD Sound System, I feel like, falls in this similar territory. They're hitting a ridiculous run of festivals this year. But at the same time, I can't imagine that David Murphy would agree to do this act if he was going to be pitted against Radiohead or Kendrick. That just wouldn't make sense from a press perspective. 
Yeah, it just seems like with the festival, you know, you get the lineup and then you have to wait like three months to figure out when people are playing. And in a lot of ways, that's the most important thing. If you bought tickets, I feel like it's just as important as the lineup. Easily. You know, because it, it really dictates who you can and can't see and who it makes sense for you to see. Oh, it's especially important if you're trying to get a day pass, you know. Yeah, yeah. If you're getting a one-day pass, too, I mean, it, you look at that and that can really change the game for you. I mean, it makes a huge difference. So we feel pretty confident that it will be LCD Sound System and Mumford & Sons on the same day, correct? Yeah. I'm reasonably confident, yeah. I'd be pretty surprised if he was pitted against anybody else. If you take the lineup at face value, that would make Mumford & Sons the major headliner and have LCD Sound System on the secondary stage. That's normally how it shakes out. I'm really curious to see if that's how it actually is. Yeah, I would think so. And especially just given the listing that Mumford & Sons is listed before LCD Sound System, which at least appears to be how ACL has ranked their headlines in the past. Whether or not they are, I think, would be somewhat impacted by if LCD Sound System puts out an album before then. And that's true, and that's there's big yeah. potential for that, because all signs point to them releasing an album this year, and ACL is the very last music festival, so if he wanted any lead-in from the album on any music festival, I mean, that would be a, it'd be the last yeah, chance really I mean, for him to, to do it. To, to play devil, Devil's Advocate here, I mean, we do have an announced album. David Murphy has said several times that they are releasing an album this year. I have no doubt that an album is coming. Um, but, you know, we don't have an album date yet. We don't have an album title yet. We don't have any new tracks that we think are going to be on the album yet. And time really is ticking. We've got, what, four months? I mean, there's just not a lot of time to have a full album roll out. So if that is going to happen, it's probably going to start happening pretty quick here. And it is significant that uh, looking at his set list, which is stellar, by the way, I mean, he plays the majority of his best songs. <laughs> he knows what his best songs are. <laughs> he knows. Um, but there's no uh, new material on it at all. It's all um, from past albums. So he's not even, you know, running out any material at this point. I mean, do we think it's possible that we run through all these festivals and then he releases an album at the end of the year? I think it is pretty possible. Yeah, I think that's reasonably possible. Yeah. Um, so if LCD Sound System and Mumford and & Sons are going to be on the same day, then that is just going to be the end of a really tiring summer for LCD Sound System. <laughs> I mean, they have played pretty much every major U.S. festival. Yeah. They've played Coachella already, Bonnaroo just a few days ago. Um, they're going to play Lollapalooza in Chicago, and they also will finish the summer with ACL. Uh, on count, they have six major festivals mm -hmm. this year, which... I mean, we certainly have never heard of a run like that. It's it's pretty unprecedented for any artist who is as popular as LCD Sound System to hit up this many festivals because generally high-profile artists just don't go to festivals as, oh, as often because they can't make as much money at those festivals. Um, so it really is pretty bizarre to see this kind of thing. And at the same time, it's also maybe the most LCD Sound System thing I've ever seen. It also makes sense in regards to building publicity before the album release mm -hmm. just because they haven't been together and they haven't put out an album yeah, for, since, for a 2010, tour, you know. since 2010. But it, it doesn't seem like that would be impossible without a conventional tour either. You know? no. uh, and I guess that'd be interesting. Maybe maybe he does all these festivals with old material, um, reminds people you know where he's at, and then maybe December, maybe January of next year puts out an album and makes that a big album in 2017 potentially for him. Quite a storyline, for sure, one way or another. 
I think it's interesting. The his Bonnaroo and Coachella uh, sets have both gotten really strong reviews um, in articles that I've read about them. Yeah. Um, a character of them has been that they've been relatively small for a headliner, mm-hmm. um, and that's actually for a lot of people. It seems like that's just added to the experience. And, and you guys have seen the set list, right? Yeah. No, it's it's really excellent. I mean, we've got all of his best songs, which honestly are just some of the best dance songs of the 21st century. We've got Dance Yourself Clean. We've got All My Friends. Uh, we've got Someone Great. Um, you know, I mean, New York I Love You is a fan favorite for sure. And it's just a really, really excellent slate of songs for any artist. It seems incredible. And I almost hope that a new album doesn't come in and mess things up for that set list. <laughs> <laughs> as excited as I am for a new LCD Sound System album. What if he puts out an album that's only pretty good, and then you dilute the set list of everything that is excellent on it? Yeah, well, he's so conscious about everything. That if it wasn't very good, it feels like he'd probably just maybe have a song or two from it on the set list. I mean, he does seem to enjoy entertaining a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you'd hope so. So then that has us moving into the other two major headliners, uh, Radiohead and Kendrick, other than, of course, uh, LCD Sound System and Mumford and & Sons. Anything in particular? Uh, we went through the Radiohead set list in the previous pa- uh, podcast, our episode two podcast, so people should check that out for sure. But anything else in addition for those two? I feel like we're just getting into best case scenario for all of these artists. They all have their best set lists in the recent shows they've played. They all have some of their best songs coming up they either have already or might be releasing an album. More on Kendrick later. But, uh, I mean, and, and you also have guys like Kendrick who are really experimenting with what they're doing in live atmospheres. Um, it just seems like all of these guys are going to put on great shows in addition to just being some of the better artists we have around right now. Similar to LCD Sound System, it seems like Kendrick Lamar is not, there's not a lot of deep cuts in his um, set list. It's, I mean, a lot of his best songs... Um, and almost entirely from Tip of a Butterfly and Good Kid, Mad City. Not a big presence of Untitled Unmastered. To be fair, he also only has two studio albums, so that there's just, frankly, not a lot of deep cuts to be made. Uh, he, he has a... Uh, wasn't a... Uh, was Section 80 not Section, as Section, as a, a Section 80 was a studio album. Was it? Studio okay. album. Okay. I they call it a mixtape essentially because it's not nearly as good as Good Kid, Mad City or To Be Butterfly. Interesting. And it doesn't fit the image that he would like to portray. That's but it was released as a studio album and then retroactively called a mixtape afterwards. Okay. Well, it, I mean, in addition to that, though, you've got... How many of the songs from Untitled and Mastered are making live appearances with recent shows? Um, so, Untitled 7 has made an appearance um, in the most recent... Uh, Settlers that he played, it made an appearance twice. And where was that? Um, it was first and then almost last. It was played twice. Uh, what was the show? Um, and that show was Discovery in... Discovery uh, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's... Uh, yeah, that's in Houston. That's... Nice, nice. Nice area if anyone's ever been there. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that I'm particularly excited about is that, you know, as much as I already love the the songs from Tip of Butterfly that are present on the set list... It's notable that Kendrick has specifically been doing an exceptional job in live performances of these songs and of some of the songs off Untitled Unmastered. I mean, really, you look at the way that the way that he changed his songs off of, for example, the his performance on the the new Colbert show uh, among the the first shows of that that show's release. Um, he changed. Uh, let's see, it was. 
first it started off with a uh, Wesley's theory and an interesting new poetic intro to the track, <laughs> which I I don't think was better, but I did enjoy. It's it also transitioned from just that interesting maximalist growl of the way that he played Wesley's theory in that live version into a very interestingly minimalist version of Mama. The way that the the drums barely beat out before being... I mean, uh, you had... The, the drummer even held the cymbals so that it didn't make any sound in between the, the short bars that burst out before the pauses in the performance. His more recent live performances honestly sound a lot more like spoken word pieces than hip-hop. Um, and, and it's been pretty excellent. And if, if you like Kendrick Lamar and you haven't seen these live performances, I really recommend you check them out because I, I'm not sure that they're better than any of his studio work, but they're certainly more interesting than a lot of the studio work and just pretty captivating stuff, honestly. I think to the extent that they're present in the show, I think that all the tracks off of Untitled Unmastered that we saw live in various TV spots, I thought were actually a lot better on TV spots. Yeah, I thought so. Like, even, mm-hmm. even the best tracks off Untitled Unmastered, uh, Blue Faces, which I think is Untitled 7, oh, which is eight, excellent eight. already. 8, okay. Untitled 8. It's excellent already, but I think it's immensely better in concert. Yeah. The agreed. version the version agreed. that he played on the TV performance for Fallon, I believe. Agreed. And I feel like we're getting to a point where, with Kendrick, we have an artist who hasn't released an incredible wealth of material. He has two monumental albums um, but has generally been making successful music like what eight years, something around there. Since I mean, he's since Section Eighty. Yeah, that sounds about right. So, somewhere around there, and, and I mean, we have him who's doing very unique stuff with his, frankly, pretty small amount of material compared to the other two major headliners. Whereas then you have LCD Sound System, who is probably going to come out with their best work, and then Radiohead, where there are a lot of significant questions about what that set list is going to look like. What do you guys think? I think that the it will be pretty decently balanced between new material from their album that just came out and their past work. And that's pretty consistent with what we've seen in past festivals from this year. Yeah, I don't... They either aren't going to play this many songs or it's going to be shorter. Um, but if you look at any of their recent set lists, I think you're going to get more... Not a It's not a greatest hits performance like LCD Sound System, <laughs> but I think you'll get more of a bent towards that than maybe previous Radiohead performances have been in past years. They're playing a lot of things like... Um, they're playing No Surprises, they're playing Idiotech, they're playing uh, Karma Police, Everything in Its Right Place, Paranoid Android. A lot of these songs have come in and out of their set list over time, and they're pretty much all in, it looks like, when it comes to the most recent performances. The, the interesting question is the encores, because I know some of those songs have come into the encores at their other shows. For example, Paranoid Android, which I would just love to see in concert, wasn't an encore. It, it's got me a little nervous, to be honest. Because yeah. ACL traditionally doesn't do encores. Um, some acts do encores, but when they do, it cuts directly into their set list. For instance, Pearl Jam um, last year allegedly did, like, or two years ago, allegedly did, um, like, three encores. I actually didn't <laughs> see the performance personally, though I was at the festival. But the problem you get there is that that starts to really cut into a performance. It makes a two-hour performance more like an hour and a half. And I think we have a lot of questions about what that final set list is going to look like, simply because whereas for these other guys, we have set lists that look similar to what an ACL set list looks like in length, 
Um, the Radiohead set lists we've seen so far have been about twice the length of a normal ACL set list. If if they play both the National Anthem and Pyramid Song, which is actually reasonably <laughs> likely, if they play both those songs, you guys are going to have to carry me out of there. <laughs> so I think uh, when we're talking about the four headliners, I think we can all agree that we're really excited for them, and it's, it's really an A-plus situation. It's about the best we could possibly have imagined, having talked about it for a long time in the lead-up. Um, but then, you know, coming into each of those performances, there's going to be a lead-in to each of them, and I think that's the next thing that's interesting to talk about, who is going to lead into various artists um, and how we feel about those artists in general. And I guess the first significant question is, who our next-up headliners really are? Like, who the best guys in that next tier are? I mean, what, we've got M83, um, who else we've got? We've got Cage the Elephant, we've got... Schoolboy Q. Um, it appears because Willie Nelson is playing the second weekend and Chris Stapleton is playing the first, that they will probably combine over the two weekends and to be um, either a lead-in or clearly one of the higher acts in the spectrum. That, that makes a lot of sense, honestly. Um, and, and I feel like those are the kind of guys who have both had levels of popularity over their careers along with recent enough popularity um with the exception of willie nelson who <laughs> is here because it's austin so why not you also have andrew bird who is not only consistently very solid as an artist but also specifically excellent as a live performer he's just very entertaining mm -hmm. with his skills as a multi-instrumentalist where you'll see him one minute singing one minute playing the violin one minute playing the guitar one minute whistling which is actually a main part of his act he describes himself on twitter as i recall as a whistler before he describes himself as a violinist or a singer and what's crazy is it just works really well and so do you think andrew burr is a guy that you could see before any of our headliners like i think we could preceding see preceding them directly i think we could see andrew burr before radiohead that would make wow. some amount of sense for me okay um, and, and I feel like when you talk about Radiohead, Radiohead really is the most difficult question to answer for who's going to be before them. I, I mean, I just feel like a lot of the artists that we have in this don't really match the Radiohead genre or aesthetic very much. Um, who, who do you guys really think would fit in that niche very well? It could pretty easily be um, M83 or Cage the Elephant. I mean, that would make some sense. Um, if you're just trying to put you know, the biggest profile for ACL specifically, it could pretty easily be uh, Willie Nelson and Chris Stapleton with someone wow. like Cage the Elephant before them. Wow. Because, um, you know, ACL, most music festivals do, but particularly ACL has had a bent in the past towards not um, allowing it to be easy for people to just camp out in the same place over time. So you're not likely to see the four artists in a row that seem to make the most sense because they want other people to have opportunities to see who they want to see if they only have one of those four artists that they like. They want there to be more churn than less. Um, so it's definitely true for someone like Kendrick. Obviously, Schoolboy Q makes the most sense to come before him. Yeah, yeah, but, definitely. I mean, the, the only um, other true contender, I think, would be Flying Lotus. Mm -hmm. And it seems like Flying Lotus will probably come earlier in the day would be my guess. So what would make the most sense conceptually would be I mean, Flying Lotus at four, Schoolboy Q at six, and Kendrick at eight. But that's not how ACL has really done things in the past. I mean, if you were just making the best stage, it would probably involve Flying Lotus, LL Cool J, Schoolboy Q, and then Kendrick throughout the day. But I just don't think there's any way that that happens. There's no, there's no precedent in recent years towards making it that... Um, 
ubiquitous that they wanted to make less sense so people will go see their other favorite artists in another stage. But, but I think we could very easily end up with Schoolboy Q and Flying Lotus on the stage at some point in the day. I think so too. Um, the reason for that being, of course, that Schoolboy Q is in the same production company as Kendrick and they grew up in Compton together. Uh, Flying Lotus was actually playing in a lot of moments onto Pimp a Butterfly, Kendrick's most recent full release album. Yeah, not quite as much as Thundercat, but certainly present during the album yeah, a lot. Yeah, definitely. And, and so I think that both, both of those guys not only could be on the same stage as Kendrick earlier on in the day, they could actually end up on the same stage as Kendrick during his performance. That That's how close of performers they are. And Absolutely. I think that's pretty significant. I feel like a pretty interesting question is who's going to end up before LCD Sound System? Because I feel like there are some pretty interesting conceptual choices there. Yeah, I mean, that's true, especially if they're the secondary headliner on that day, if it's Mumford & Sons on one side. So then I guess the question is who's the lead into Mumford & Sons? Could that be the... Yeah. Definitely. Willie Nelson, Chris Stapleton grouping. I, it, I that would think make that a lot of sense. sense. I think who comes before LCD Sound System will probably be whoever the odd man out is ultimately as far as the more uh, dance electronic acts that normally will be on the opposite stage for mm-hmm. like Kendrick or Radiohead that are headliners but they're secondary headliners for that day. Yeah, because it's like when you talk about that you could see for example the Chainsmokers playing before LCD Sound System. But I also would imagine that the Chainsmokers are going to play at the same time as one of the headliners. I think that Major Lazer and the Chainsmokers will probably both end up being on the opposite stage of two major headliners. Agreed. So then you have it down to Kygo and Flume, realistically, yeah. to be deciding who is a major headliner and who is a lead-in to like LCD Sound System or something like that. I think that M83 could potentially also be in that conversation. Yeah, I think that's definitely possible. Uh, I, I think so, too. The only reason that doesn't make sense to me is because I think that they're going to probably lead in to a more uh, significant headliner who's on the main stage is the thing. Yeah. So I probably, I mean, Radiohead makes a lot of sense for that. Cage the Elephant could even lead into LCD Sound System. Or Radiohead. Yeah. Or, or Mumford & Sons, honestly. So I think there's a lot of versatility on that level. Um we're a pretty long way out still, unfortunately, on figuring out these questions. Um, last year, the day-by-day lineup was released right at the end of July. So we are almost, we're about a month and a half, give or take out. I think these questions are going to be really what decides how great the festival that we already know is going to be great will be. Yeah, and you can't forget to bring up the band of like <laughs> eight years back indie outfits that were very, very hugely popular at the time and are less popular now, but still have quite a following, especially here in Austin. I mean, I know a lot of my coworkers and friends here are really excited about guys like Two Door Cinema Club, local natives, um, what you have Foles, you have a lot of guys who have been really popular in past years and have really, really made a foundation for the indie scene here in Austin. Um, even if that has faded away a little bit in past years. Yeah, and I would throw both Haim and Young the Giant into that group. I think those are all, all of those uh, bands that were just mentioned will be four o'clock or greater. So that'll be four or six acts mostly. And that's those are pretty premier spots at ACL. I mean, a lot of people and watch those acts. Hell, you can't forget that LCD sound system really formed a lot of the backbone for that era in the first place. You know, so there there's a lot of interesting questions about where they fall with the lineup. Um, would you guys like to go through some other interesting acts? We mentioned uh, Flying Lotus already. Um, I'm particularly excited to hopefully see Flying Lotus. Hopefully it'll be before Kendrick, so there won't be any problems there. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, AWOL Nation is another pretty good one. You know, I remember I saw AWOL Nation live 
uh, Ladano actually. Yep. Uh, back in 2014. 14. 2014, we saw AWOL Nation after the release of his first solo album. Um, and, and that was a pretty great show, honestly. Um, be interested to see where it goes after he's released his most recent album, too. So, I mentioned I mentioned Andrew Bird, and you know he's consistently put out some excellent albums. He's consistently lyrically excellent and instrumentally excellent, and also he's just a very solid live performer. So that's definitely one to look forward to if time allows with the the headliners. I mean, you're you're not wrong, but. All I'm saying is if I'm choosing between Andrew Bird and LL Cool J, I'm going to see my man LL Cool J. And, and tell me tell me what your favorite track by LL Cool J is. I, I'm, I'm going to camp out the stage. I'm going to make sure to be at the front so that I can shout for him to play Accidental Racist for the crowd. <laughs> Hopefully Brad Paisley will be there for the supporting act. I think I think that Chris Stapleton could fill in for him. <laughs> I, I think Chris Stapleton lead in to LL Cool J, guys. I would argue that Accidental Racist is probably the worst song that I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> and there is no song that I would rather hear at ACL. All right. Oh, Would yeah. If we, if we happen to see that, be at the front chanting for him to play it. <laughs> Just comedic value to him actually performing that is pretty significant. Quick poll. Worst song that you have ever heard. You got Donnie's got Accidental Racist. I I, I've got Accidental Racist. No wow. doubt. Wow. I have The Laughing Gnome by David Bowie. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, honorable mention to the to the alternative soft rock cover of uh, the the Easy E song "Boys in the Hood" I heard the other day. <laughs> yeah, it's by Dynamite Hack, and it's actually apparently it's been around for a long time. You know, I was driving around in Austin, one oh one five playing in the background, and it it played on the radio. It's pretty remarkable. If you haven't heard it, you should check it out. It's once. Really just, bad. Just, just once. once. Exactly just once, once time. <laughs> Not very far from the worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> no, it's, it is well up there. Um, so I think the way we should close this out is just, let's go through who we're the most excited about. We're all excited for the festival, but what is the one act that you are the most hyped to see? Well, as, as, as tough as it is to decide between really some incredibly solid top three choices, I, I gotta go with Radiohead there. Radiohead put out some excellent new material this year, but they also have a mix of their older material that you know, I'm just incredibly excited to hear in concert. They're, he is giddy. I am he giddy. He is giddy. I am giddy. <laughs> I, it's just... I, you guys are going to have to carry me out. We'll take pictures of him on the stretcher. Don't worry. Those will be on the homepage, thesoulsoul.com. We'll put them out on social media. Y'all will see those pictures, I promise. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shout... A very stalkerish rendition of True Love Waits to Tom York in the hopes that he can hear me. <laughs> it's going to be hard to do that if you're passed out. This is my only. <laughs> this comes before the pass out. Passing out, This the shouting, the shouting comes as they walk on stage. Passing out comes after Pyramid Song or National Anthem. <laughs> First Paranoid one. Android. Don't get me wrong, Radiohead is going to be a blast. Personally, I'm most interested to see how things go down with LCD Sound System, um, simply because I feel like there are a lot of incredible questions about them as in an outfit, what this comeback tour is going to look like, and frankly, they have three of the best dance songs of this century, um, with Dance Yourself Clean, All My Friends, and Someone Great. And I am so excited to see those in concert, especially given how great of a reception LCD Sound System and David Murphy have received in the past. It's going to be a blast. 
of those three, because I think those are the big three that I'm excited for, Radiohead, LCD Sound System, and Kendrick. Uh, I'm probably most interested in Kendrick, and the reason is I've heard, you know, different reviews from people of how his shows tend to go. Sometimes they do verge on more spoken word style stuff. Sometimes it's just he plays the stuff from Good Kid, Mad City, and the whole concert is just going hard in that way. It really could be a variety of different things. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how people feel about this show versus when he actually played in 2014. Because uh, he played at ACL not that long ago, and it'll be really interesting to see how people feel between that performance and this performance. Certainly it's not going to be as butterfly-heavy as recent tour Kunta's Groove Sessions, which would be a lot of fun to witness, to be honest. But that's, I mean, it's good in that I'm, I'm happy that we're getting a lot of, probably a lot of cuts from Good Kid, Mad City, which I'm excited to hear. I, I don't think well. it has to be. I, I think that he has... Honestly, I feel like all three of our guys, there are a lot of questions surrounding them, and there are a lot of things that could happen or not happen related to what their concerts end up sounding like. But at the end of the day, the material and the performers are just good enough to where it's going to be an incredible, incredible concert one way or another. And I'm really, really excited for all of them. Alrighty, so I think that's it for the Solid Soul podcast this week. Um, be sure to give us a review on iTunes. That really helps us out. If you don't have uh, iTunes, check us out on SoundCloud. The podcast will always be in those two places. Make sure to check out thesolidsoul.com. You can read more of our coverage on ACL. In fact, I believe we're planning on going to a uh, Blues on the Green lead-in show to ACL here in a couple of weeks, and we'll have a review of that show up at that time. I'll see you in October, listeners. Okay.